0: Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with The Pop Health Show, and this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in the world. And I'm really enthused and excited to have Joe Kuzmik on the show today. So Joe is the uh, the chair over at uh, Vistage um, World uh, Incorporated. But uh, what's also really cool is that uh, Joe is a former Navy admiral. And he's done a lot in the military. He's led a lot of people. He's done a lot of cool stuff. I've always been fascinated with the military. But long story short, Joe, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Anthony. Great to be here.
0: Great, great. Well, great to have you on. And I, I love origin stories. And yeah. you know, to, to do what you've done you know, requires a, you know, a really deep compass and, and sense. Where, where does that come from? Tell me a little bit about your origin story or what led you to become the person you are today. So we'll kick off with a small, big question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a big one. You know, I I don't know. I I grew up in Jersey and Tampa. I saw your link to USF there a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very close to that university. Um, My passion was airplanes, I was thrilled with them. and I talked to several people that said, uh, you know, if, if you're going to fly airplanes, uh, airliners, was what was in my mind as a 10-year-old, you know, uh, you probably want to be in the military to do it first because most of the pilots come in. Anyway, that was uh, sort of an origin. Uh, somebody else said, well, you know, you really want to fly uh, be a pilot or something, something like that. You need to go to the uh, academy, you know, the Air Force Academy. My congressman didn't have any appointments there. So mm-hmm. my dad said, hey, you know, Navy has airplanes, too uh ended up uh getting my way into the naval academy uh to fly that was my passion to fly uh, somewhere along the lines that the naval academy they said hey you need some glasses and by the way you want to rethink the pilot thing a little bit uh-huh. you could be the guy in the back right <laughs> yeah. so um i did pursue that and i, I uh, had a great career in naval aviation in the a6 intruder and the ea6b prowler uh and when i say career i'd say you know that's because that was the focus of most of my first. Oh, 20-ish years, Um, after a a squadron command, an EA-6B squadron command up here in Washington State, uh, they said, uh, you know, you you were a physics major, so uh, we think you want to, uh, we want you to go do this route that would set you up to maybe be selected to be an aircraft carrier captain. Mm. And uh, this was a complete surprise to me. Uh, But I uh, listened to a few mentors that had done the program. It's a long haul. Uh, uh, a lot of work, a lot of time at sea, uh, but as w- my family and I decided, well, let's do this, and, and we went through the entire nuclear power training program, some other ship training program, another ship command, and I eventually was very fortunate to be selected to command the USS John C. Stennis. Uh, also, coincidentally, happened to be up here in Seattle. I think that's part of the reason I ended up coming back up here. Um, I really dug the leadership part of it more than I realized. And so I had four commands in the Navy. Uh, you know, most of them are sort of bigger than the last. Uh, but particularly the aircraft carrier itself, you know, uh, we would go to sea with about 5,000, 5,500 people on this mm-hmm. ship, all living within 1,000 feet of each other this way and 300 feet of each other this way. And, and to me, that was absolutely uh, fascinating. Not the machinery as much as I thought it would be, that's important, but it was getting the chance to lead thousands of America's you know blood uh, and, and treasure. <laughs> so it was uh, uh, that I think really what sparked me and motivated me to continue in the Navy for the 34 years that I did. I mean
0: um, it's just fascinating it's fascinating to see what you've, you've done and you know the, the parallels that we have a lot of listeners that are leaders of hospitals or health insurance yeah. companies. Yep. I, 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 and obviously with what you do with your your um your current business is extremely applicable i would love to hear about the difference that makes a difference in in leadership you know this would probably be your future book right if you're not writing it already or published <laughs> a few but tell, it tell me tell me what what makes what makes a difference in leadership what what have you learned over the years what are the most important elements of, of leadership for if someone's listening to this and their emerging leader
1: you know there's a lot of it and there's so many books written these days some of it almost starts to sound kind of trite after a while i've always been a big proponent of servant leadership you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i think a lot of leaders fail when they start to think it's too much about them Uh, and if your passion truly becomes the people that you're leading and their success then you know your success tends to follow and and i found that to be the case you know and when you get to the point where it is a large thing you know uh, the carrier, again, one is, is a fascinating thing. It's incredibly technical. You've got two huge nuclear reactors. You've got airplanes. You've got catapults, steam catapults. You've got TV stations and communication systems and computer networks. Uh, lots of stuff going on on there with thousands of people taking care of all that and all the expertise. You know, So there's a ton of help. And I think there's, there's an aspect to that leadership, too, which takes the courage to be able to sort of fall backward, You know, almost like you see in some of those corny leadership camps you know, mm-hmm. and somebody's gonna catch you uh, to realize that you, you, know, you can't control it all. Mm-hmm. You have to trust that the people you have, you've either trained them or you've trained somebody who has trained them or they have the proper training and it's gonna work out pretty well, most likely. Not that you can't ignore it, you know? Right. Right, but um, and then ultimately, you know, sometimes you do have to trust and you have that That means that there's a possibility it might go wrong and you have to be okay with that too. You know, you have to be okay with somebody making a mistake You know, you have to avoid it being uh, a life or death kind of thing, you know, or an existential problem for a business as best you can. that's where your energy should be applied.
0: I love it. I love it, Joe. And, you know, I I love the concept of servant leadership um, and kind of like no matter, you know, if you're at top, it's, it's, it's just, you know, supporting the people and it's kind of like you're supporting everyone. Um, Do you have some examples of servant leadership in in action um, that would be applicable in today's terms for, uh, a hospital CEO, or maybe a startup CEO, or just a company CEO.
1: Yeah, you know, um, uh, once again, it, it's it, the, fundamentally the servant leadership thing. It's just not about you, right? Mm-hmm. So we did have a hospital, pretty big, big hospital, on board the carrier, you know. Right. Not in terms of, of, of most hospitals, probably, but in terms of having something on a ship, we had mm-hmm. a couple operating rooms. We had a surgeon. We had uh, I think five other doctors plus a psychologist. And um, you know those folks were uh, my experts when it came to some of those life and death kind of things, right? So they would come up to support me. Uh, uh, sadly, there were a couple of fatalities. Not you know, and those things varied. One one was a uh, you know just a health problem, a health defect that nobody caught, right?
0: Martin mm-hmm. problem. Uh,
1: the other was an accidental death as we were coming into port uh, overseas. Um, and, and, you know, those kinds of things happen and they don't always happen real quick, uh, takes a little bit of time and you have those experts that come up and talk with you about that. You got 87 things going on, right? So I got to rely on the medical person providing accurate medical advice, but also talking to me about, Hey, we're, we're going as fast as we can toward the nearest hospital ashore to get this critical patient where it needs, he needs, he or she needs to go. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting a, hos- a helicopter crew spun up. Uh, we're making the deck ready to get the helicopter off the deck. You know, you have to move some things around and, and make that happen. And it's the middle of the night, and, you know, what are we doing? So you got all these operational pieces going on, yet you have this medical expert. We A senior medical officer would typically come up to the bridge and talk to me about this stuff, and we would orchestrate that as a team, you know. But I can guarantee you, I never tried to second guess his medical advice. Mm. You know? If he felt he could handle something, then we'd think about doing it on board. You know, I had my appendix out on the USS America back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I didn't think too much about it. But, right. you know, when I was captain of the ship, I'm thinking, you know, well, we could do a straightforward uh, abdominal surgery on board. We certainly have the capability. We have the equipment. Why not? The answer really is I I think we need to, you know, weigh that and get people to the best um uh, Facility possible, and it would be hard to answer the mail. It'd be hard to make the phone call to the parents of someone who didn't make it or didn't come out of a, a, a medical situation well, uh, uh, and say, "Well, you know, we just decided it was kind of hard, so we decided to go ahead and wing it and do it on board." You know, mm, right, right. Yeah, some of those kinds of things. I think I'm probably off your question now that I rambled a little.
0: No, bit no, no. That's exactly it. I think that's what it's all about, um, and, and it's it's really inspiring and. You know you, you just start to see trends i'm a trend person i, I love the yeah. physics of of you know the the end results of good leadership and action and you're starting to see that yeah you, know, you, you know being a servant to the team and being supportive of the team and it's not about yourself it's it's getting over a, a leader's ego right and, and yep. you know the, battling that ego and uh you know separating yourself from that and getting out of your own way yep. is is probably the most important thing that that you can do for the organization for others um joe i'd love to hear also about um your current company you know how you help other people maybe some some of the things that you do um it's very fascinating because obviously you're parlaying all of your experience into what you're doing you're probably now s- sparking some some incredible organizations and some leaders to to do what they do uh you know
1: uh, let me uh, let me just say, first, I'm relatively new to this last bit. It's something that I'm really enjoying sort of in mm-hmm. you know, the latter part of my life. Uh, uh, the chance to help some other folks in a, in a fairly profound way, in my mind. You know, Vistage is a company that's uh, based out of San Diego, been around for 60 years. Uh, they, they I'm affiliated with them, uh, and they we who are chairs for that organization uh, have been former CEOs, in my case... Uh, CEO level positions in the Navy certainly um, and and uh, when it comes to uh, entrepreneurialism uh, business sense and mostly leadership and people you know mm-hmm. that seems to be what comes up more than anything and it crosses all uh, you know all 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 the diverse industries out there you know everybody kind of has the same people stuff going on um, and what what's remarkable I think about Vistage is they they, they harness the power of the peer right so we come together as a group. I'm not really an executive coach. I, I bring a group of about 16, ideally CEOs, together, mostly mid-sized companies. You know, maybe 10 to 100 million revenue annually, and um, and and we meet once a month. We hang our egos at the door, mm-hmm. and we uh, we roll the sleeves up, and and usually have a speaker, or some kind of spark, some interesting debate. And then we, we have a, a very elaborate issue processing procedure we go through. And so the members bring issues to us, to the group, and then the group helps them refine the issue and then come up with a solution. And then I jump in and help that particular member with the accountability side of it too on the other side, right? Nice. So I'm not there to teach, I don't have a bag of tricks for how your company right. grow co- twice as fast. Uh, but these other 15 CEOs who are going through exactly what you are or have right. gone through it have the power to so leverage that power, mm-hmm. and uh, they like it a lot. Not to sound too salesy, but our companies grow more than twice as fast as non-member companies, uh, comparable non-member companies, and um, our members stick around for an average of between five and seven years.
0: Nice in the
1: group. So they become very tight. They become very. That's close great. To supporters. Yeah.
0: That's great. I love the process, and I love I love it. It's it's you know having um getting oxygen to to problems and holding accountability afterwards you know those are two critical things and you know problems usually manifest because you're not seeing light they are not having air you know hit them and and uh you know it's stuck on a person's head and you know you're not sharing it so i I think it's powerful concepts and then the group atmosphere kind of equates to a a great a great formula so it's exciting to see you do this
1: I'm very fortunate to have bumped into it, actually. I ran into a guy who used to run a big grocery chain up here. Mm-hmm. And and he said, let me to tell you about what I do. And I, I'm totally fascinated. It reminds me a great deal, Anthony. When I was in an, uh, the earlier part of my career, we ran advanced aviation training in Fallon, Nevada, on the ranges mm-hmm. down there. So you would get the entire air wing from a ship down there that's you know, 60, 70 airplanes, different kinds. And you would do these massive aviation exercises with, with you know opposing airplanes like Top Gun you know in mm-hmm. fact uh, Top Gun would help us but after all of that we would come back to the building and it was an instrumented range and you could watch all of those airplanes and, and, and as a replay of the entire event, and zoom in and focus you could have a cockpit view somewhat cartoonish in those days uh, to see exactly what they were doing synchronized with the communications the point, point I'm making with all those words is everybody had to hang their egos at the door you know, and when you have naval aviators, those are pretty big egos. So mm-hmm. you hang those egos at the door. You come in. We are going to roll our sleeves up. Doesn't matter what your rank is. Doesn't matter what your position is. You know, we're going to hold you accountable for right. what you did or didn't do correctly here so we can all learn from it, you, you know. Yes. And it's just that pure environment that I think comes forward to this environment. And I just love that about my naval career. and I love that about what I'm doing now.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, Joe, this is this is super powerful. And, you know, along those lines, I guess one final question I usually ask is, you know, tell me a little bit about the future of health. But since the topic that we're going into is more about leadership and uh, servant leadership and and just uh, I love to hear about where do you see leadership going in the future? What's going to make good future leaders? You know, so obviously, like, our human being minds for like the young kids on TikTok and Instagram attention span. Yeah. You know, they're even talking about the concept of universities having to change and high schools having to change. And so our minds are changing, kids minds are changing, but what's gonna take what what's gonna be critical in the next generation of creating leaders and just love to hear your philosophies on on that.
1: Yeah, that's one that's going to stretch my mind a little bit. Maybe you know I'm I'm just an old dog, right? But I got to tell you, I'm one who one of the things that was nice uh, about my naval career was that we I was around young people all the time. Right. So I mean, the average age on that carrier was probably about 23 or 24. Mm -hmm. Since I was 102, you know, I mean, (laughs) most of them were pretty darn young. and I always fed on that, the energy of young people, and I was never one of those who, who was, uh, you know, I hate the snowflake term, I hate all that stuff. Young people today have energy, they have passion, and I think they're going to be great things. I think the fundamental tenets of leadership and the way humans interact uh, won't change much. I mean, I right. think some of those tenets and those fundamental concepts about, you know, the best leadership being servant leadership, and. And getting a hold of your ego and, and keeping that in check and managing that as a leader is important. And leaders are emerging every day from youth world. Look at yourself, right? Well, you got to be what, the uh, 1920, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: a lot older than that, <laughs> but, but I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think that they'll get all that. I do think there'll be some changes. I think you're going to see more and more. Um, you know, I live in a city here in Seattle where uh, housing affordability is off the page, you know, and yeah, And more and more people are being forced to live far out in traffic and all that stuff. And it's happening. This kind of thing we're doing right now makes working at a distance kind of pretty practical in a lot of ways, right? Right. Not as good as gathering around a board table, but this is coming. I mean, so the the, the, the mechanisms, the methodologies of our interactions might change a little bit. But I don't feel much different than if I were talking to you in the same room right now. Right, right, right
0: yeah no there's i think there's power to you know being in the room with other ceos and that connection and, and there's nothing but then the next best thing is you know is being able to see someone's eyes and teeth i think right. is really cool. i'm i'm all about the eyes you know when you can when you can see someone you can I'm see sorry. you know yeah no all good uh, but you can you can really uh you know connect with people and see what their essence is uh, is about and you know, where, where their focus is at. And so it's, uh, it's super key and important. And it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Like I mentioned, I've always been fascinated by military leadership, uh, the discipline, um, you know, that the military brings and backgrounds from military and just, you know, how it's instilled at a critical age where some, some of these kids that get into the military, you know, are, are needing direction and, and they come out with, you know, just incredible, incredible skills and discipline. And so um, it's so relevant for leadership these days. I mean, I can only imagine if, you know, fortune 2000 CEOs, all of them had some sort of military training. What would that do for their business? Um,
1: yeah, you know, well, you know, they can, they can, they can certainly bring it in. in and I'm, I'm a big advocate around here yeah. for hiring vets. Obviously I would yeah. want to be hired myself, Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, we, we've got some great programs around here and some marvelously dedicated people. There's a lot of veterans coming out, uh, in this part of the country here. And there are a lot of companies up here, like amazon which is about a mile and a half from me right near the black hole uh you know those companies are very uh, interested in this because they're finding they do get young people that have had a chance to mature under some wonderful guidance yeah in a sense of what the world is about and they just get that for free you know, that, yeah yeah and it's really meaningful to them
0: absolutely absolutely joe this has uh, been super powerful i really appreciate what you're doing from a business standpoint and your focus and i uh, most importantly, you know, obviously appreciate your background. And uh, it was really great to to have you on the show. You know, as you work with more CEOs, as you do more things, love to have you back and have you share your stories so and what you're doing. Um, I'm taking away some, some strong inspiration and uh, you're, you know, charging me up. So, uh, but Joe, thank you so much for being on their show. Um, very last question for you. If our yeah. listeners would like to get in touch with you. Uh, or reach out on social media. What would be a good, good way to do so, Joe?
1: Oh, I think my LinkedIn page is probably a good way to go there. K. S. D. M. I. C. K. Can't miss it.
0: Perfect. You might find my
1: son, but you know you'll figure it out. <laughs> well, awesome,
0: awesome, Joe. Well, thank you so much for for being on our show, and this was great. And to our listeners out there, this is the Pop Health Show. The show is for anyone who has a strong passion for making people healthier in the world or making just people around them better and being of service to others. Um, Thanks so much, everyone. Joe, thank you again. This was great. Very nice to meet you. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much.